Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty and I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. And boy have I been doing a lot of traveling around the world. <laughs> I'm sure some of you have noticed that I have I have basically been MIA. I have sort of a regular timing for the podcast. I do it about once a month and I I missed a month, and the reason I missed a month is because uh, the last podcast I did, that night I was flying to Belize, and on that trip, I met a guy, and uh, I fell hard, <laughs> and uh, I was traveling with a friend, so I didn't know while I was uh, in Belize if the guy that I... Um, got instantly smitten with <laughs> was interested in me and I didn't want to find out because I didn't want the friend that I was traveling with to feel like we had to just spend time with him you know so anyway I didn't know until I got back to the states and started emailing um, with my new man <laughs> that he did indeed like me also so we emailed for a while and six days after getting back from Belize I got back on a plane and flew back down there for uh, an international first date. <laughs> I've never done that before. That was something new. And uh, it went really well. And I have been sort of um, bouncing around like a teenager lately. You know, I, I, it's amazing how I haven't felt this way in a long time. And it's amazing how everything looks different. Um, everything changes. And uh, I've been back to Belize like... Uh, three times since then. So I haven't been around that much. And so that's why I haven't done the podcast. So I'm sorry, I have been MIA. But I was MIA for probably one of the best reasons I can think of. <laughs> so this episode is called Love and War. Love for the obvious reasons, because uh, that's on my mind at the moment. And in this episode, we have stories about love in the air. So love on the airplane. And then we have some the war is um, some soldier stories where they're going to or from the war. And the reason why I'm doing love and war stories is always good to have a little uh, juxtaposition. <laughs> so we got stories about love. We've got stories about war. And then we have one dog story. And it's just in there because, you know, it fits because who doesn't love a dog? <laughs> so all kind of stories about love and war. wonderful military salute. Oh, what's that? We had a passenger on a flight and um, she was just sitting across from me and I was like, do you sing? And she goes, yeah. I said, well, do you know the words to I'm proud to be an American? She goes, yes. How did you know she was well, I just knew she was an actress. I didn't know she could sing. I just knew she was an actress, and so I said, can you sing? And I said, well, we got some military guys on here, and can, do you know the words to be proud to be an American? And she said, yes. I said, well, you sing it for me? She said, yes. And I was like, okay, fine. 
So anyway, we had an airplane full of military people. And they were all coming home, some from Iraq and some from Afghanistan. And so I had taken their boarding cards and um, gotten their names. Oh, you got their names, too. Yeah, so I got their names. And then I went by and talked to them, and I got their ranks and how long they've been in a service. And, you know, most of them were coming home on leave and had to go back. So I'd asked this woman to sing for me. So when we landed, I said, ladies and gentlemen, on board our flight today, your flight attendants are very happy that you chose. However, you're very special to us. It's because of people like you that we're still in business. And because of people like you, we still enjoy our jobs after over 210 years. That was the total number of years of the flight attendant seniorities. I said, you're all very special to us. But today we have some very special guests on our airplane. And we'd like to say welcome home to our military troops, those coming from Afghanistan and Iraq. And then I started naming their names and their seniorities and their dates and how long they'd been in the service and the fact that they were on leave. And the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, they're not just going to come home for stay home for just they'll just be home for a couple of weeks and then they have to go back. And so we want to honor them when we get to Los Angeles. If you will please stay seated for just a few moments so that you can properly honor them. They all applauded when, when I mentioned the first set, Iraq and Afghanistan. So when we got to Los Angeles, as we're taxiing, this young lady, who I didn't know how good she could sing, opened her vocal cords and let the spirit flow. She was, she was, a, uh, she was a Caucasian young lady, but she had a whole lot of country and a whole lot of soul, and she blew. She beat anybody I ever heard on American Idol. Yeah, she was just wonderful, and she sang, I'm proud to be an American. And I too am proud to be an American. <laughs> Take your worries, throw them out the door. Our faith is strong now, and this is where Well, we because are. of my new romance, I am very discombobulated these days. <laughs> and uh, I just made a big mistake. I had this um, great story that I, I recorded, and um, the girl is also going to tell another story at the... Um, later on in the episode and I just edited it and now I can't find it on my computer so I didn't save it properly and it's gone so I'm gonna have to retell it which makes me very sad because I I much prefer the person who was there to tell the story for me it's so much better to have the different voices and it's a shame because I won't be able to tell it as well as she did but I'm gonna retell it because um it goes with the other story later in the episode and uh darn anyway <laughs> I made a mistake <laughs> I deleted it somehow. I didn't save it properly. But this is her story. She was flying on a Cancun flight, and they uh, were empty in coach, but it was full in first class. And in first class, there were quite a few standby passengers, airline employees. And uh, one of them was a flight attendant, and some of them worked for another airline. And uh, during the flight, two of the male standby passengers sitting in first class the flight attendant is walking through the first class cabin and she looks down and there's a pillow in the one guy's lap and the other guy has his hand under the pillow and the pillow is moving. So she's like, whoa. Oh. So she goes to the back and she finds this flight attendant who would have been telling this story. She says, oh my gosh, you aren't going to believe what I just saw in first class. The, the standby passengers, what they were doing up there. So this flight attendant who's very brave and very forthright and um, she's much better at confrontation than say I am she strides right up there and she gets her finger out and she says you stop that 
which I would have never been able to do that. She's like, you stop that right now. She's like, how dare you do that here? You could be terminated for this. This is so inappropriate. How dare you put me in this situation? And how dare you do this in front of the other passengers up here? Um, She said, you are going to have to answer for yourself and you are going to have to answer to the gods of morality. (laughs) And I just loved that. I wouldn't think of that in a million years. You are going to have to answer to the gods of morality. (laughs) That's great. So anyway, she goes back um, to the back of the plane again. And this guy who's the airline employee, the flight attendant comes back and he's like, I'm so sorry. I, 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 um, I, I didn't realize we weren't allowed to do that. (laughs) Excuse me. He's like, well, I never saw it in in writing. (laughs) Like that has to be put in writing. You know, that is obviously something you're not supposed to do on the airplane in public. And uh, she said to him, "Um, I don't know who you think you're talking to, but on this crew, we have like, you know, 186 years of flying experience. And believe me, we know what's appropriate and what isn't. And You should know what's appropriate and what isn't. So, you know, we are not going to turn you in, but I am letting you know right now that it would be noted. And if it was another crew, you would be terminated and you need to seriously think about what you were doing and your behavior. (laughs) You know, it's great. (laughs) And it's such a shame she couldn't tell it in her words. But um, this guy had the nerve to say, I didn't know we weren't allowed to do that. (laughs) I mean, please. So I was a uh, brand new captain on the 88 out of Atlanta, and uh, it was back when the Gulf War was just, uh, you know, maybe uh, the the second one was about six or eight months into it, and things are going real shitty, and uh, and it ain't real pretty. And we go uh, we go into Norfolk, and we're coming back, and some Marines had just got off the boat, and they were going like for two weeks. Uh, back home and then gonna have to go back again so I was talking to him in the uh, in the area uh, and uh, you know and then I went in and saw how many seats were in first class there's only two ladies in first class and so I said would you mind if uh, I seated a few Marines with you coming back from Iraq and they go no 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 so we get on they get on and everything the flight attendant comes up and goes hey can we serve these guys drinks? They all look, they're, they're all like 18 and 19. And I went, honey, yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. If they can serve their country, we can serve them drinks. Yeah. So we do, and they had all, all had about three before they, and they're laughing and joking. And I went back there and I go, hey, Marines, how you doing? Oh, yeah, hey, sir. I said, uh, he says, we put you in first class, gave you some drinks, now you got to do me a favor. And they said, what's that? I said, when we get in Atlanta, says, you got to stand up and sing the Marine hymn when we get to the gate. They were, oh, man, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They belly ached and everything. I went back, and they drank like three more before they got to Atlanta. And they were all talking about it, and everybody knew it. Uh, so when we landed and taxied, uh, taxied in, uh, we had to wait. Uh, we were still moving, yeah. and they stood up and started singing. And there was not a dry eye in the house, including mine. And that was, it was a beautiful moment. And they sang it at the top of their lungs. So it was awesome. So that's my good story. That is a good story. Yeah. You know, when I I did a 
craft trips? Did you do any of the craft trips? Uh, no, I didn't. The, there, was, there was an agent, yeah, I guess you wouldn't do it on the MDA day, huh? There was an agent in Rome, and she would get on the PA, and she had this beautiful voice, and she would sing the Star Spangled Banner, and they would all stand at attention. And man, all of the flight attendants, we would just be bawling. I mean, we're talking, I was just crying, like. Crying, yes, <laughs> <laughs> they are soldiers. <laughs> to a city which will be unnamed okay. from another city which will be unnamed <laughs> and there was a agent sitting behind me in first class that was going to the city that I live right. and she was right behind me and she sat next to another gentleman now I recognized this agent because she was dating a pilot yeah. based on the West Coast. They were very, they'd been together for a very long time, yeah. so they were very committed to each other. So on the way to this, to my home city, I heard the whole conversation between the agent sitting behind me and this guy. The stranger. The stranger. And the stranger was hitting on this woman and she was interested and she gave him her phone number he gave her his phone number and they were planning to meet that night for cocktails wow. and she he gave her his hotel oh, name yeah. where he was going to be staying 10 minutes later over the pa system the captain of the flight made an announcement saying we have a very special uh, announcement for someone on this flight. Her name is so and so, and that was the lady that was sitting behind me, who was the agent dating the pilot, going to the city where I live. And the announcement the captain proceeded with said, "So and so would like to ask for your hand in marriage over the public address announcement system." While She's in cahoots with the stranger next to her, planning on having a rendezvous at the stranger's hotel. She's like hooking up with somebody else and the guy's asking her. She's hooking up with someone else while the, while the person she's been with, committed with, committed to, is asking her to marry him <laughs> over the public address system. What did you do? <laughs> so I just was, I was cringing in my seat thinking, oh my God, I don't have anybody to tell. Yeah. <laughs> and what did, and who was, how was she supposed to say yes or no? Well... I don't know. I was going to figure this out. But anyway, after the uh, announcement was made, she didn't tell the man that that was her. And they were continuing to plan really? a rendezvous. Even after that? Even after oh that. And then we landed in the city and we were deplaning. And I know, knew all the agents locally where I commuted from. And when I got off the airplane, he was waiting there for her. And when she walked off the airplane, the guy behind her pinched her butt. And in the meantime, the guy that just asked her to marry him is on his hands and knees asking for her hand in marriage in front of everybody. Did she, did she answer? And she said yes. Oh my gosh, that poor guy. <laughs> and I said, oh my God. And I talked to the agent standing next to me and I said, you won't believe what just happened on that flight. And sure enough, 
you know, they rode off into the sunset her and happily her ever after. Yeah, her and her pilot fiance. And who knows if she ever hooked up with that she man. She might have still hooked up with him. Even after she just Right. Oh my god. Right. These people. Yeah. But it was very odd so, to hear it over the PA system. Maybe she will have to answer to the uh the wrath of the, the god. god of morality. <laughs> That's right. Love is in about love in the air and there's this these two stories that happened to me within the last year that that really illustrate in my mind how lucky men are in a way because in our eyes in a girl's eyes men can get very attractive very quickly if they're like passionate or interesting and then attractive men can get very unattractive very quickly also which I don't know if it necessarily works the same way for men and how they view women but I'm going to tell you both these stories and both of these happened before um I met my new current guy so it's this wasn't like last week but this happened you know not that long ago the the first one shows you how a man can get very unattractive <laughs> there was this pilot and uh, I remembered him from about six years ago very attractive pilot, uh, tall, dark, and handsome. And I'm not saying pilots generally aren't attractive, but they aren't usually this attractive. I mean, you know, you noticed it was kind of like, whoa, check out that really handsome pilot. <laughs> and uh, I remembered him from six years ago, and he was married. And, uh, you know, that's that end of story. But then I ran into him again, um, not that long ago, and uh, he's no longer married, and he was obviously flirting, and he was saying how, you know, he's moving back to LA, and, you know, he wasn't married anymore, and he wasn't dating anyone, and he really wasn't happy with the women he was meeting in the city that he lived in, and all the other uh, flight attendants who were standing around, and, you know, a, a single, they were like, you know, he's really flirting, you need to go up to the cockpit and talk to him, you know, um, he's so cute, so sure enough, <laughs> after the service, I go, um, knocking on the cockpit door and I take my recorder up there and I ask him if he has a story and normally I have to warm up the pilots to, you know I have to tell a few stories but right off the bat he says well you know I've got a story and I'm thinking jackpot perfect get a story and get to talk to the cute handsome pilot <laughs> but he starts telling this story and uh right off the bat I'm thinking I don't think this is going very well, he says, uh, okay, you know, when I was a, a flight instructor and I was thinking about working for, you know, a commercial airline, I always wondered what it was going to be like between the pilots and the flight attendants. And he said, um, when I was an instructor at the Santa Monica airport, there was this secretary there and I would always joke with her about the Mile High Club. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this sounds like it's going to be a good story you want to tell if you're flirting with someone, a girl. <laughs> but he continues and he's like, yeah, you know, I was always talking to this secretary about the Mile High Club. And then one day, me and my buddy, you know, we fly up to San Francisco and on with this secretary. And on the way up to San Francisco, I joined the Mile High Club. And on the way back from San Francisco, he joined the Mile High Club. And I was thinking... Ew. <laughs> I mean, it was like he went from this tall, good-looking pilot to an unattractive guy in like less than five minutes. It's really shocking how quickly that can go. And uh, I came out of the cockpit and one of the other flight attendants, who's a very attractive girl from Texas, and she was like, boy, you, you didn't spend much time up there. You know, what happened? And I'm like, 
well, he told me a story, and I told her the story, and she says, ew. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I thought. She goes, when he comes out of the cockpit, I'm going to say to him, I heard your story. Ew. <laughs> okay, so there's how a guy can go from being very attractive to not attractive, lickety split, and here's the opposite. Um, I was in the back of a 757, and it was an all-nighter coming back from New York, and uh I've mentioned before in another podcast that I have a wind-up mouse. I have a mouse that you wind up and then its tail wiggles back and forth and I uh, scare people with it. You know, doesn't everybody travel with a wind-up mouse? (laughs) So on this particular flight, I was bored and um, I would judge people when they went into the bathroom. I would look at them and uh, decide whether or not they looked like they had a sense of humor, you know, make sure they weren't too old. I don't want to have a heart attack with my mouse because that would be, you know, a very hard thing to write up. I didn't mean to kill the passenger with my fake mouse. <laughs> so anyway, but I'm a pretty good judge of character. So when they would go into the bathroom, if I thought they could take a joke, when they when I heard the latch of them coming out of the bathroom, I'd put the mouse down and then they'd be like, <laughs> you know, it's fun. So there's this guy standing in the galley, uh, just stretching his legs and really average looking guy, you know, sort of balding. Um, you wouldn't notice him in a crowd. And, uh, he starts really enjoying, you know, watching this um, <laughs> spectacle of the flight attendant scaring the passengers with the mouse. So we, we ended up starting to talk, and I, we would have never started to talk if it wasn't for the mouse. But um, he turns out he's a travel writer, and he writes for all these magazines I subscribe to, like, you know, National Geographic Adventure and Outside. And uh, he goes to all these unbelievable places and he's so interesting and passionate and here this average looking guy by the end of the flight man he looked like Brad Pitt to me I mean it's so uh refreshing to meet someone who's interesting and smart and passionate and it's amazing how in my eyes he became super attractive so just so you gentlemen out there know you have a lot of leeway (laughs) in the eyes of a single woman you might as well use that to your advantage. I was just uh, deadheading on a flight, so I was flying as a passenger, and I was sitting next to another flight attendant, and he told me this story, which I thought was uh, very cute. He was saying how he's a dog person, and so often we have the people that bring their dogs on board, and they really they hate the rule that they have to keep the dog in the carrier. But um, he said, you know, I am a dog person, and here I am walking down the aisle, and I see this rather large woman, a uh, very well-endowed woman, and she has this little tiny chihuahua out in her lap. And he, you know, he said he leaned over, and he said, you know, I hate to tell you this. I'm a dog person. I could care less. If you have that dog, you know, sitting on your head, you can put the dog anywhere. I don't care. But the rule is, you know, you have to have the dog in the carrier. And, you know, because of other people or people could have allergies, whatever, you know, you really need to comply with the rule. I'm sorry, but you know, you're going to have to put the chihuahua in the carrier and the lady's looking at him and he's looking at the lady and she just pauses for a little while. And then she looks down, (laughs) she looks down at her, um, um, chest (laughs) where she's very well endowed and she looks up at the flight attendant and she looks back down again. And then she takes the chihuahua and sticks it down into her cleavage (laughs) where he could fit. (laughs) And the flight attendant said, well, you know, that is technically a carrier. (laughs) So the dog, 
sat in the cleavage in the, in the carrier for the rest of the flight. But it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a suitcase. You know, I've been I've been torn. I don't know how much I should share about my new romance on the podcast. You know, there's a part of me that wants to trumpet to everyone. <laughs> you know, I just want to tell everybody how happy I am and I want to tell a ton of stories. And I I I like to share on the podcast because I, I like for the listeners to think that they know me. But then you know there's another part. <laughs> another more like logical, um, skeptical part of me that says, you know, maybe I shouldn't tell much that much of my personal life on the internet. <laughs> so I'm not sure yet how much I'm going to share about this. Not sure how many stories I'll tell, but uh, I will tell you that next week I'm going to Guatemala with my new man and we're going to have a holiday in another country. So that is really exciting. And I hope that your month is full of love and excitement. And I hope you'll join me again next time for another episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.